0: Let's celebrate some birthdays first thing. I know we've got birthdays on here for (coughs) Doris Pierce. Happy birthday, Doris. Uh, Also, Andy Faust. Andy's not here, but happy birthday, Andy. And John Spence. Um, Some some flowers to to, uh, recognize as well. We we missed the flowers that Doris gave last week, so, so thank you very much for those from last week. And our flowers this week. Are in celebration of Jen McIntosh's birthday by, given by the McIntoshes, so thank you much for those. Uh, a few things to remind you of. This Tuesday night, uh, 6.30, finance meeting, 7 o'clock, trustees, so come on out for those if you're involved with those. Also, there is uh, plenty of uh, opportunities for volunteers, as usual, in here. So if you can volunteer to be
1: an usher and or you can be
0: a bursar, or you can do, do any of those things that, that Eric is working with. So BBS, and there's a BBS meeting today too, right? After the service, so a BBS meeting as well. But if you can help with BBS, or children's church, or nursery, or Sunday school. Did I get them all? Yeah. I got one, yeah. okay. All right. The only other thing I have is just, we we have a special guest today. Uh, Mr. Bill on drums, so so welcome, welcome back to the special guest here
1: there'll be autographs after the service and <laughs> CDs and CDs yes are there
0: other announcements that need to be shared I got one too you got one? I
2: oh. hope we have one this week oh man um, the parsonage is looking for a dryer so if anybody has a dryer an extra dryer they might want to sell them to church or donate if you're looking for one just contact me if you would and the new people will be moving in within the next week and a half and the old people will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's not
0: just a close line, huh? No, not just a <laughs> okay, all right. Well, change it might be for some. <laughs> the change in the bulletin. Oh, I'm sorry. Steve told me one, and I forgot to tell you about it. Uh, when you go to your second page of your bulletin today, mm-hmm. the praise song that's showing after the offering prayer is actually going to be after the message. So, when that comes up, don't be surprised by that one. thanks, so, thank you, Steve. Over two minutes ago, I forgot about that. <laughs> We are ready to go.
3: Thank you, Ted. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Look at all those bright, shiny faces. Well, eyeballs. Bright, shiny eyeballs. Good to see you today. Are we ready for our responsive call to worship? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. <clears throat> Come to worship. But
1: God is here.
3: Listen for God's word. Draw near to the source of mercy. God's
1: grace is with us.
2: Please rise in body and spirit if you are able. Pray for you. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing and terrible divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help him in time of need. Please join with me in prayer. Holy One,
3: life. Lord we thank you for this Memorial Day for all those who have lost their lives in defense of us and our country and our way of life. So Lord thank you for those who who are moved to serve. We are very thankful for Larry having a successful cataract surgery and hope that his second one will go just as well. just praises for that. Praises for medical science that they can do such wonderful things for us as we start to fall apart in our old age. You know, I always say when you hit 40, the parts start falling off like you lose your hubcaps, and it's all downhill from there. So, you know, God is uh, God is good in giving us ways that we can start to <coughs> mitigate that uh, deterioration of our bodies as we age. And also, thank you, Lord, for the prayers of all of those who were thinking of my dad and, and my dad's fortitude that, that he was able to break the plague and be fit enough that uh, didn't cause him as much damage as it might have and that he is not going to probably need surgery to fix, to fix it and he will hopefully be fine if he obeys the doctor's orders so Lord just whisper in his ear even though he doesn't believe. Whisper in his ear and make him sit still. Um, And now, we need to uh, lift before you, Lord, our petitions and pray for those who are in distress. Um, Number one, we need to pray for for Ron. He has a case of shingles, which we know is very painful and can be prolonged. So please speed his recovery. um, Help him to feel better as soon as possible. And uh, be with him and his family as he goes through this very aggravating Hi. Um, we want to lift um, one of um, Debbie's co-workers' cousins who was in a cycling accident um, and lift to you that even though she was badly hurt, she's doing well after her surgery and Lord we hope that you can hold her there in your hand and that she can continue to improve and return to her to her doings and her family in short order. We pray for the family of Susan who's passed away. And we want to lift special prayers for her two children and her two remaining siblings that they um, are able to weather this time of loss and grief and come through on the other side stronger and knowing that one day they will be with her again. And then we want to list uh, Melissa who was just diagnosed with breast cancer be with her as she goes through this difficult diagnosis, help the doctors who gather around her to discern the best way to treat her cancer, and uh, that, that she has the peace and the assurance that you are always with her and that you are the great healer. Hear our prayers, God of power, and through the ministry of your son, free us from the grip of the tomb, that we may desire you as the fullness of life, and proclaim your saving deeds to all the world. And now, let us pray in prayer that Jesus, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who Lord, art I in am heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as Jesus in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread,
2: Out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher I have kept all of these since my youth Jesus looking at him loved him and said you lack one thing go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me when he heard this he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who could be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers, and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with, with, fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The word of God from the people of God. Thanks be to God. Your bow our heads and
3: feet for just a moment. Lord God, may your word be a lamp to our feet, and a light to our path. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, I know that we are just emerging from the clutches of a new pandemic virus that causes the nasty disease COVID-19. And fortunately for all of us, the vaccine has been developed that will help us to get this virus under control. And soon our lives can return to a new version of
1: normal.
3: And it's good that we can protect ourselves from the ravages of such a potentially lethal illness. Unfortunately, I don't think this new vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 virus can protect us against the strain of virus that we're going to encounter this morning. The type of virus I'm talking about has a new name, but it is very far from being a new disease. It goes back thousands The beginnings of human engagement and has been a source of malaise and distress for many throughout history. The kind of virus that I'm talking about has become endemic in much of the Western world and continues to make us sick today. Be on the lookout for the symptoms of this illness. A new case may present with the following symptoms. Feelings of guilt, lack of motivation, impossible social isolation, followed by bouts of crippling emotional and psychological fears. Sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? If not treated early, this disease can become a chronic condition marked by extreme materialism and consumerism and eventually result in life of chronic dissatisfaction, debt, overwork, stress, and impaired relationships. The chronic form of this illness tends to be a pervasive condition in families whose abundant financial resources extend through generations. The strain the virus that I'm talking about was well known to Jesus. And although he knew how to treat, this insidious disease, many were unwilling to undergo the treatment necessary to improve their condition. Today, the illness is known as affluenza. Many are sick with it, but few are aware of the personal risk they face in letting the condition go untreated. Nor are they aware of the highly infectious nature Of the contagion. I want to share a case study in the literature concerning this condition. We find it in the New Testament in Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 22. Jesus and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem and after stopping for rest along the road a man runs up to Jesus and kneels in front of his feet. He seems to exhibit some anxiety or an inner sense that something isn't quite right. He looks up at Jesus and asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is curious, for he replies to the young man, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Jesus here is recognizing the law as a gift laid out for us by God. It is a set of guideposts, we could say, for us when we are unsure of the direction that we need to go. And it is the first stage of true faith. Jesus is not trying to catch the man in the lie here. Rather, he is asking him to recognize and affirm his walk so far. Jesus is opening the door for the next steps on the man's faith journey. Jesus knows what is in the hearts of those around him at this point in his ministry. He already knows that this young man, isn't about Jew, and keeps the Jewish laws to the best of his ability. He strives to do what is expected of him, and Jesus also knows that God expects more from us than simply following rules. Goodness is not just in following rules. Jesus waits for the young man's response because he understands that self-reflection is part of the treatment this man desperately needs. So he patiently waits for him to respond. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Like any good physician, Jesus listens with compassion and looks upon the man with love. He knows just what this young man needs to feel better. And relieve his anxiety. The man is earnestly seeking an answer to his internal discomfort and hunger for what is missing in his life. And he trusts that Jesus, the right healer, will be able to help. Perhaps the man has even witnessed Jesus helping others. Jesus (coughs) lovingly gives the man his considered diagnosis. One thing you lack, He said, go sell everything you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. This man, apparently, has many material things, yet Jesus tells him that there is something he lacks. This lack manifests in the emptiness that this young man feels. But what does a man who has everything lack? How will selling all his possessions help this man to find it? This is the danger, my friends, of having affluenza. We become so bound to the stuff we have, and so driven in the pursuit of acquiring more of it, We become slaves to the pursuit. It seems that the more we have sometimes, the more we want. Until our whole identity becomes captive to the cycle of wanting and acquiring more. We become blind to people in our lives and in our community. We lose the personal connectedness that comes with our relationships with other people and, more importantly, with God. Connection and relationship, compassion and love for others, those are the things that give our lives true meaning. Without these, we become empty shells of the people we were designed by God to be, and the condition becomes chronic and often, unfortunately, incurable. The young man lacks the ability to be in the relationship because he is enslaved by his possessions. He cannot be free to pursue what he lacks until he is released from this bondage. Jesus is giving him the remedy that will extricate him from his chain. But it will require the man to do the most difficult thing. He must give up what he covets the very most, his possessions and the prestige that goes with them. Then he must give the proceeds away to people who exist on the margins of this man's life, the people he cannot even see. Jesus has given the man the remedy to his affliction, yet Mark tells us at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The treatment is simple and straightforward, but the man cannot do what is needed. He has become so enamored with his wealth and prestige and privilege They cannot let it go, even if it costs him his soul. He is the most afraid of what he most needs. Paul Waddell put it this way. The man is restless and unsatisfied, and in spite of his riches, he is needy. For he stands in need of what matters most. The thing that he can't count or accumulate or achieve or take credit for. And yet, the treasure he needs and hungers for is the one thing that matters most. The one thing that is secure in this life. And that is God's grace. The disciples have observed this encounter. Jesus has had with this young man in silence. And after the man has walked away, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And again, the disciples are amazed at what Jesus has said. He continues, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich enter the kingdom of God. Now the disciples are confused. They've been conditioned by their culture their whole lives to believe that with wealth comes power and with power comes respectability and prestige. Remember that just a chapter earlier in Mark, in chapter 9, the disciples were caught arguing Among themselves, over who was the greatest among them. And the disciples wanted to know who would have the honor of sitting at Jesus' right hand when he came into his kingdom. In that time, as now, people with money were respected because of the power they wielded over the lives of those without the same means. It was, though, the gifts. It was through the gifts of the wealthy that the Christian church became rich in the Middle Ages and became beholden to the whims of the aristocracy, which is exactly what brought about the Protestant Reformation. The disciples are equating respect based on power with evidence of goodness. Think about that equating respect based on power with evidence of goodness. That goes against everything we learn about Jesus Christ, doesn't it? When you consider how obsessed many Americans are with the doings of wealthy celebrities, how we give them accolades when they contribute to charity, or strive to emulate the good life they seem to be living, we are doing the same thing. We are equating influence with goodness. Jesus tells his disciples that these two are not the same. In fact, Catherine Matthews writes, based on the observations of David Watson, who is, by the way, a professor at my son Mary at United. In a world where there are only two classes, the super rich and the impoverished, those who had wealth enjoyed it at the expense of those who went without. Watson sees the rich man as benefiting, intentionally or not, from the suffering of others. And this suffering deeply wounded and continues to wound the heart of God. We know that care of the poor and a just sharing of resources is at the heart of the prophet's proclamations throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And yet, we so easily slip into the same assumptions about wealth and possessions being a sign of God's favor that our ancestors held. Prosperity theology, anyone? Watson then claims that the rich must make amends for the way his wealth has come at the expense of others. And that lesson is still applicable today, even in very different economic and cultural conditions, because those who enjoy an excess of material things surely have a responsibility toward the millions of people who go hungry and homeless. And this is why Jesus says that the wealthy will have such difficulty entering the kingdom of heaven. Why that journey is like stuffing a camel through the eye of a needle. The wealthy believe in their utter self-sufficiency. They are so enslaved by their attachment to things and the power it brings, but they cannot see that they need God as much as the poorest person on this earth. The disciples ask the question that is weighing on their minds at this revelation. If the wealthy cannot make it, who then can be saved? And Jesus looks at them and said, with man, This is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You see, we do not have the power to save ourselves from this disease, no matter how wealthy we become or how much power and influence we have on earth. We cannot shove the camel through the eye of the needle by ourselves. But God can. He is the one with the real power to transform us. Through faith in Jesus Christ comes our real power. Through the love of God are our chains removed. Through relationship with Jesus Christ and with the people we care for is our spirit healed. This is the truth that Jesus wants his disciples to grasp in this story. This has been his point all along. And the disciples have been faithful to him, even in their doubt. They are already walking that second part of the journey that Jesus offered to the wealthy young man. But Peter is still worried. It's always Peter. Peter is still worried, and he spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Peter and the disciples need to feel assured that they have done what the young man was unable to do, although their means to do so were far fewer. They just need to hear Jesus confirm it. And so Jesus says to them, Truly I tell you, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last first. In this case study, Jesus offers us a cure for the affluenza that holds us hostage to the material world. And the wealth seems solid and substantial, a buffer against suffering and want, which it is. It is not much of a savior if we lose our soul in its pursuit. We have only traded physical poverty for a worse sort of spiritual bankruptcy. I want to ask you. Going off my script. I want to add here that there is nothing wrong with material wealth. That is not what Jesus was saying. It's what you do with the, your material wealth and how you feel about your material wealth that makes the difference between being able to go through the eye of the needle and being the camel who can't be shoved through. So I just wanted to say that. You know, I I am not saying that wealth is necessarily a bad thing. It's just that so many people who have wealth fail to recognize its blessing on their lives and see it as God instead of God itself. Now, we turn to the script. Based on the above case study, please heed my words during this pandemic season and protect your hearts from affluenza. Remember that our material goods are not our own. God lends them to us to use in good stewardship along our journey of service to others. We cannot move quickly to serve those in need if our ankles are chained to the safe. So please, go see Jesus and get your affluenza inoculation today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the gifts you give us to bless our lives. May we always appreciate the source of our blessings and use them not only for our own benefit, but in service to those in need. Keep us in your loving relationship and encourage us to include others in ours. We understand, dearest one, that without you, all of our efforts ring hollow. In Jesus' name, we ask for your loving mercy. 走吧<咳><咳>
1: No, return. The
3: to be generous in our giving, trusting God's provision for our lives. As always, you may drop your uh, offerings in the plate on the way out the door if you haven't already done so. You brought it with you today. You are welcome to mail it to the church. You are also welcome to drop it off during morning office hours, or you can use the convenient online giving option. But no matter how you give. I want you to know how much it is appreciated by the church, and especially by me. So, thank you so much for your continued faithful giving. Now, if you'll join me in this beautiful offering here, prayer by Mary Katrina Boyd, who stayed up on the screen. <coughs> Generous God, we bring May you our gifts today. today. We, we recognize, recognize that all we have comes from you. May these gifts bring hope places of pain and need, We want to be followers of Jesus, who Jesus leads us to agree to service. He ourselves. Amen. And now those of you who are able to stand that's all about